The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz. This is the Pet Buzz. Freshly collected with news, celebrity pet gossip, and the latest pet trends. Hosted by pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. And here's the Dynamic Pet Duo. Greetings, pet lovers. We welcome our listeners who tune in each week from around the world. You know, Dr. Fleck, I I heard a story that I thought was just unbelievable. I don't know if you heard about it. It's about a dog that fell off a cliff near Spokane, Washington. Did you hear about that? Yes, I did. It's crazy. Seems that the dog, his name was Toby, fell off a cliff near Spokane while chasing a ball. Uh, that's what the firefighters reported. It was a 30-pound Shetland sheepdog, and he plunged over this cliff while playing fetch with his owner uh, Thursday, May 11th. And it was crazy because firefighters, they did in fact spot the one-year-old dog on a ledge about 30 feet down from the top of the cliff. So probably what happened was the owner threw the ball, it dropped and it kept going and it didn't realize there was a cliff nearby. Photos show Toby landing on a narrow rocky ledge with a steep drop. Rescuers climbed down using ropes, wrapped Toby in a tarp to retrieve him and return turned him to his owner. The dog was not injured, believe it or not. I mean, I'm surprised he even made it to that little ledge, but it makes you think about you have to be careful when you're playing fetch. You have to know where you're playing fetch and what's around you. I mean, if you're at a park or, you know, at a preserve or something like that, that can, and I'm even talking about being careful because a lot of people play ball in their front yard. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, kids tend to use the backyard more. And then if you have a young single guy or a husband and he takes the dog out for a toss about, he plays in the front yard. Right. Mm-hmm. So imagine the ball, the dog not catching the ball. The ball rolls in the street and the mm-hmm. dog chases it. Mm-hmm. I can't ha- tell you how many times Beretta, remember Beretta? Love to play with tennis balls and would run, Chuck would maybe miss a throw or miss a bat and it would run out in the street. And then what happens? They come to you or have to go to the emergency clinic. That's right. And I think people don't understand about the nature of their freedom that they allow their pet. I see that in the office every day when people come in with their dog on a leash, which we require. But a lot of them have the leashes that can expand out. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the dog is clear over on the other side of the reception area. Maybe a little chihuahua coming in and we got a big St. Bernard over on the other side. People just don't think necessarily how important it is to have their their pet under control so that it doesn't get hurt. I think that's the best way to put it. Good point, Dr. Fleck. I like that. Do me a favor. Let's talk about what's on the show this week. Okay, so this week on the Pet Buzz, we're discussing the 147th Westminster Kennel Club winner, the PBGV, Buddy Holly, and the 149th Kentucky Derby winner, Mage. We will also be speaking about how a news crew member saved a dog after a tornado, a dog found hidden in a Pablo Picasso painting, why dogs lick, and celebrities that have owned dogs shown at the Westminster Annual Dog Show. And practice makes perfect, at least for Hall of Fame jockey Caviar Castellano who won the 149th running of the Kentucky Derby. This win was Castellano's sweet 16th attempt at winning the Derby. Like Castellano, Mage's trainer, Gustavo Delgado, is also 
Venezuelan. And joining us today to talk about post derby is Steve Haskin, one of the premier racing journalists. Steve writes for Secretariat.com. He is here to analyze the Kentucky Derby and give us some insights into the Preakness. Steve, welcome to the Pet Buzz today. It's always nice to be here. Well, the 2023 Kentucky Derby winner wasn't what we expected. So how did a runner with only three races on his resume, with only one win in his maiden race in January, and a trainer that lacks experience in races at this level end up with a garland of how many roses, Steve? Well, I believe it was uh, 554, according to you. According to me, that's right. So, so what do you? How did you think that happened? Like, what happened? I'm a historian first, and and uh, I'm also pig-headed. And the three starts always got to me. I mean, considering the fact that trying to win the Derby with three starts and not having to race at two was only done one time, and that was by Justify, the one time in the history of the Derby. And Justify was a very brilliant horse who came, uh, came along in a, in a poor crop and it was a speed horse. So basically justify was asked, was this brilliant horse that was asked to be brilliant, but mage was a horse with no distinct running style who was asked to run like a seasoned older horse, which he did. And that's one of the reasons why he was able to do it. And he's an exceptional horse. Plus, if you have to look at the handicapping side of it, the San Anita Derby winner, the Florida Derby winner, and the Wood Memorial winner, which are three of the most important preps for the Derby, the winners of those races were all scratched, as was the favorite with Forte. Plus, you wind up with a suicidal pace that set it up for a closer. You know, he had probably the best trip of anyone. But most of all, you know, you had a horse that was looks like he's got a very, very high ceiling. We don't know how good he is. And let's not forget, don't underestimate South American trainers. They're way ahead of us in training a horse for stamina and getting a horse fit. He was mentored by uh, Juan Arias, who was the trainer of Canyonero, who probably scored the biggest upset in Kentucky Derby history, and it includes Rich Strike. Yeah. Yeah, and plus, you know, it's funny because I on the way home I sat next to uh, Calvin Burrell, and he was saying these horses just are not strong enough these days. Right. And if you look at um, if you look at last, the Saturday before the Derby, almost the entire field worked out and you know, all the Pletcher horses and the Brad Cox horses, you all worked a half a mile in 48 or so, the usual. Or they worked five furlongs very fast in 59, very fast. And then you look at Mage and you work six furlongs and one sixteen and four, which is like walking. And you say, oh, forget about one sixteen and four. How could a horse work that slow? But like I said, these South American trainers, they don't go by speed. They go by stamina and fitness. And they wanted a horse to go really slow early and come home fast, which he did, and gallop out strong, which he did. And he did it in the Derby, too. He came back and he was able to outclose everyone. So a lot of that is a South American training. You know, it's kind of interesting. You talk about the athletes uh, of the horses today. If you look at the other professional ath- athletics, the NFL, you look at the NBA. I mean, these athletes are way stronger and way better than what they were 10 years ago, generally speaking. But you're saying that in the horse world, we're maybe not developing the horses as much. I think that's an interesting topic for maybe later on. But 
just the race itself. Well, I, well, I'll just say I'll just say quickly. This, if you want to talk about the differences in in horses going up to the Derby this year, the top three finishes went into the Derby off of layoffs of five weeks, five weeks, and six weeks, which is pretty normal. Go back to 1969, which is one of my early and favorite derbies. The first three finishes, in order, went into the race off seven days, nine days, and 14 days. Horses could run back then and run often. You have to remember, too, by the way, is that the, the human athlete has an advantage over the equine athlete. Now, if we could only teach the equine athlete to train himself the way a human does, then they would be just just the same as the humans are. But they have to depend on trainers to train them. And the trainers today are very conservative because all they're seeing is the big, the owners are seeing the uh, the big dollar signs that are waiting for these horses to retire them early on, get them off the stud, you know, and the sport cannot compete with the dollar signs being thrown at all the owners nowadays. So they, they're deathly afraid of getting a horse beat. So right, I'm not going to run him back in a week or, or, or two weeks. I'm going to run him back in five weeks or six weeks. The less he runs, the less chance he has to lose. If you've just joined us, we're okay. talking with Steve Haskin about the 149th running of the KY Derby and the upcoming Preakness race, the second jewel of the Triple Crown. So uh, like, OK, so Bob Baffert, national treasure. I mean, is Mage he's back. He's back. <laughs> That's what we always say about you. So what do you think? What do you think? Is Bob going to win? Is he going to just go wild? I think, I mean, the race is Mage's to lose. I mean, he's the best horse in the race by far. Sure. You never know when they come, you know, coming back in two weeks and you never know what kind of trip. But if I was looking for a horse to beat him, it would be Bob. It would be National Treasure. I think he's going to wind up on the lead. With that, got the blinkers on. He's been working lights out out in California. He showed tremendous early speed in his first start, going six furlongs. And in his other races, they brought him off the pace, and he just wasn't as effective trying to catch horses. But I watched three of his workouts when they had him on the lead against Reincarnate, who who was one of the horses that was killed off in the Derby. Um, and all three times, Reincarnate could not get by him in the workout. So he looks like a horse that's if he's on the lead, he's going to be hard to pass. And when a Bob Baffert horse gets on the lead, watch out. And I think this horse is going to be right on the lead. And he, I think he could be very tough. So they better be closer to the pace with Mage if they want to catch him. Not easy catching Bob Baffert horses loose on the lead. All right. We're getting excited. But, hey, we got to take a quick commercial break, Steve. But up next, more of Steve Haskin also in our next segment. Celebrity Pet Buzz and Flex Facts. That's right. More of Steve Haskin. Yes. Steve, more of Steve Haskin. More of Steve. (laughs) You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? 
EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. Thank you for joining us on the Pet Buzz. The show is hosted by the dynamic pet duo. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Well, we are back with Secretariat.com, Steve Haskin, discussing the 149th running of uh, the Derby, of the Kentucky Derby, and the upcoming Preakness race. But let's get back to the race. What, what was the game-changing move in the race? Well, I mean, there's a lot of game-changing moves. I think one of them was um, getting Javier Castellano to ride the horse. I mean, Castellano was 0 for 15 in the, in the Derby. As a Hall of Famer, he won numerous Eclipse Awards, could not win the Derby. So he was hungry. Plus the fact that he, like the trainer, uh, Delgado, is Venezuelan. And they were both, they both were born in the same city of Maracaibo. So there was a, a connection there. And if you want to look at the divine forces or the derby gods, boy, did they open up the path for, for this horse. Castellano gave him a perfect ride. He had a perfect trip. He, had, he didn't have, a, as they say, a straw in his path the whole way. And I think that was the, that was the main thing of getting getting Castellano. Once, he, once they did that, and the weird thing is how they got him is that he was supposed to ride a long shot in the race, raise Kane. He had signed an agreement uh, with uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes, you know, to have the name on his on his pants, which a lot of jockeys do. So he signed it, you know, you know, he gave them an agreement to do that. And then the owners of Ray's Kane said, no, we don't want we don't want no advertisement on, on your silk, on your uh, pants. So then when the Mount on Mage came open, Castellano says, OK, well, well, if their owners will allow it, I'm going to switch. And the owners of Mage allowed it. And he got off of Ray's cane to ride him. So they can thank Je- Je- uh, Jeff Ruby Stakes for, for the win. Otherwise, he would have been forced to ride uh, Ray's cane. So two questions, really. Uh, what what post position was he at? I forgot. Eight. He was eight. And, and eight is generally a good post position. I mean, lately it hasn't been because everyone goes toward the middle pretty early. But I mean, eight has traditionally been a pretty decent right. position. Right. And with, yeah. we had so many scratches. We had two less uh, horses in the race. Uh, we went from 20 to 18. Uh, 20 is not typical. I mean, 20 in the last few years has come about as having so many horses. But I mean, did you see a break? I mean, you know, or around the first turn? I mean, what did you like? That's what I think, Doc. Right, Doc? That's what you mean. Like, what was did you see a game chasing move? I mean, did you see like something happening around the first turn or even before that? Like, yes, I saw all the jockeys with the horses up front losing control of their horse. And everybody said, well, it's not going to be a uh, it's not going to be a fast pace this year because the horses killed each other last year and they wound up going as fast this year. And all the jockeys that had a horse up, you know, in, in the top four or five, except for the runner up who ran an unbelievable race, they all, uh, they all killed each other. And it were good horses up there too. A lot of people like verifying a lot of people like Kings Barnes and they're up there going head and head and 22 and one and 45 and three to show you how good a race the runner up ran. They went, you, you when you run that fast, okay. Of the, there were five horses that were within two lengths of the lead after a half a mile. Four of them were beaten an average of 30 lengths 
The other one was finished second, was beaten one length. Wow. That's how good a race two fills ran. I was just about to say that because we never even barely talked about two fills. I mean, it was just kind of like they popped up on game day, uh, did a little talky talky with the Fox people. And that was like, okay, two fills. Phil's from Philly. I mean, you know, right? Isn't that where they're from? They sound like they're from Philly. <laughs> well, it was, it, was, it was actually named after two guys named Phil. So. No, I know that. I know. But they sound like Philly. I figured, you know how like Doc, you and I would go have like a steak to celebrate. They probably had a Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, thanks for joining us today. But before you go, can you give us your website? Yes. Uh, the website is Secretariat. Speaking of the devil, Secretariat.com. And if you go on the website, you'll see all my stuff right there, right, right on the main, uh, in the main page. I write a column every week. I do my derby rankings from January to late April. And uh, from now, rest of the year, I'll be doing my, uh, my columns, handicapping, historical, opinion pieces. So, plus, it's a good website anyway, if you want to go out there and buy, uh, buy some Secretariat merchandise. <laughs> plus, this coming year, it's going to be the 150th kentucky derby well, and they're having a huge no, secretariat play. tribute the biggest thing this year is the 50th anniversary of secretariat's triple right. crown well everyone that once again was hall of fame journalist steve haskin talking about the derby and the preakness as well as his opinion about the state of horse racing uh with us we love him here at the pet buzz and we always look forward to racing season with steve what's the buzz time for celebrity pet buzz and now the latest news about celebrities and their pets it's obsession aren't they cute if you ever wondered about the dogs that have been featured in Tim McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill's Instagram feed, you need to wonder no more. A Bronco Italiano Leapshi won his breed debut at the 149th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Just so happens that this dog is co-owned by country music singer and 1883 series star Tim McGraw. McGraw and his wife, Faith Hill, have several Bronco Italiano dogs and one whom name is Stromboli, went semi-viral back in 2020. McGraw shared a clip on Instagram of one of his daughters howling along with Stromboli, then, of course, chatted about the pups on the Kelly Clarkson show. McGraw quipped of the pooch, he's just a glorified bird dog. He also mentioned that he had a family of Broncos and that Stromboli, the howler, is one of the last living at the farm and that the dogs all have been given Italian names. Leaf sheep doesn't seem too Italian to me. Does it sound Italian to you? Other celebrities that have owned dogs that have been featured at the Westminster Kennel Club include Bill Cosby, he had terriers, Martha Stewart, Chows, Patty Hearst, French Bulldogs, and Shih Tzus. You're on Dr. Fleck, give us the facts. That's Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! So what are we going to talk about today, Doc? Why dogs lick you. Okay, so why do dogs lick us? Well, two reasons, really. Behavioral and biophysiological. That's the makeup of the canine, and that's why they lick. So simply put, Dogs crave the attention of humans unconditionally. We know that. And their best way of expressing that desire is by licking. The skin of humans constantly secretes salty liquid sweat and oils and even absorbs environmental substances 
that the dog finds appealing to its taste and smell. So licking allows the dog to ingest those human skin substances that they find tasty. The skin and coat of pets also produces oils and absorbs environmental elements that also appeals to the dog's olfactory and taste senses, and that results in dog-on-dog licking. Okay, so let's talk about why dogs lick your hands. Churchill sometimes does that. Like I pet him and he'll lick my hands. Yep. Human hands sweat and collect substances from the environment, along with residuals from food eating. Those elements appeal to the sense of the dog, and the dog licks to ingest them. I thought they licked out of respect, too. Mm. Okay, well, you don't buy that. Okay, so what about your face, which I never let dogs Ah, lick my face? Here are a few things to think about. What have you eaten recently? How much sweat is on your face? What in the air has attracted itself to your facial skin? All those residuals of food, sweat, and environmental elements are so appealing to the canine senses that they face, lips, chin, and cheeks have to be licked. No, I get it. But, you know, it's the dog's only going to lick your face if you let him. Okay, here's the $100 million question. Is it healthy for a dog to lick you? The mouth of the canine is not the most hygienically healthy environment. And if the dog has gingivitis with maybe some excessive tartar, has maybe some sores on the mouth or lips, or simply just ingested something, those substances may be passed to humans by licking. So I guess the big question is, how do you keep a dog from licking? Is there a way to do that? Repeated denial discipline. Right. I mean, that's it. And anything else, Dr. Fleck? That's all the Flex fact for the week. Well, thanks, Dr. Fleck. It was great having you explain a common dog behavior. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. Welcome back. You're listening to The Pet Buzz, the best in pet talk radio, where we focus on enhancing the bond between pets and their people. I'm pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. Let's kick off this segment with the I Likey of the Week. You know, I love giving you the best recommendations about pet products. That's the way. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. Summer's here, and that means it's time to head outside and soak up the sun. But along with all those hours spent outdoors during the summer season, there's usually comes one inevitable thing sunburn. Prolonged exposure to the sun's rays can cause a dog's skin to burn even through her coat, making it important to protect your pet. Applying sunscreen to your pet helps lower his or her exposure to ultraviolet light and decreases her risk of skin cancer. Well, not all varieties of dog skin cancer are caused by sun exposure, but sun damage to the skin can be a factor. Sunscreen is especially important for white, pink nose, short-coated, dogs low to the ground, and breeds prone to cancer like golden retrievers boxers and pugs developed by a veterinarian EpiPet canine care sunscreen is the only sunscreen that meets FDA guidelines for ingredient stability is waterproof includes a sunscreen rate equivalent of a 30 SPF is effective in blocking both UVA and UVB rays and has a unique valve spray that provides spray from all angles even upside down EpiPet canine sunscreen is 1795 at 
epipet.com. That's epi-pet.com. Or you can find it on amazon.com. The Pet Buzz Mailbag coming up next. You've got mail. We have a question from Peggy Jones from Virginia. She wrote, Charlotte, I love dogs and horses, and I saw you went to both the KY Derby and the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. I'm saving money to attend one of these events next year, as they are both on my bucket list. What do you like better? Well, thanks for writing, Peggy. What a difficult question to answer as I've been going to these events since I was a child. My dad always took me to the WKC dog show and mom always took me to the Derby, but never the Twains did meet. In other words, mom never went to the dog show and dad never went to the Derby, Peggy. But funny you should ask me that, Peggy, because on my way to New York from Louisville, I sat on a plane and chatted with Calvin Burrell, a three-time Kentucky Derby winning jockey. Calvin asked me the same question, the Derby? or the dog show. Well, all I can say is that they're both very, very different. The Derby is a horse racing spectacle for about two weeks leading up to the race with its fashion, especially the hats, parties, food, drinks, and gaming. You can go and have yourself a great time, but if you don't educate yourself about the horses, it won't be as fun, and you will inhibit your your opportunity from chatting with folks who love the sport. The Westminster Kennel Club is also enjoyable, but not a spectacle. You can go to the show, see the great dogs close up in the benching area during the day, and then watch them compete in group, as well as best in show competition on both Monday and Tuesday night, with best in show, of course, on Tuesday night. Find a great purple outfit to look sharp. Unfortunately, due to the fact that Westminster is no longer has a home at Madison Square Garden, the attendance has been affected. But really, I love both sports, and the experiences have filled me up with great memories of spending time with my parents. Hate to say it, but you will need to choose for yourself. But really, both events will also depend on your wallet. Well, I have a real treat for you. Buddy Holly, the PBGV, won the highly coveted Best in Show honor at the 147th Annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show that was held at the Billie Jean King National Tennis Center in Flushing, New York, beating out over about 2,500 plus dogs of more than 200 different breeds for the ultimate prize. Buddy Holly is the first PBGV to ever win the best in show in Westminster's 147 year history. And guess what? His co-owner and handler Janice Hayes is joining us. So let's get the after party started. Greetings, Janice, and welcome to the Pet Buzz. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) I'm so happy to have you and you still have got the afterglow of the event. So that's super cool. You know, I guess my first question is, what was the first thing you thought of when Best in Show, Best Swaggered, singled you out as the winner of the 147th annual Westminster Kennel kind of Club Dog Show? And then did your childhood dreams come true at that very moment? Yeah, for me, it was the fact that she was saying PBGV. That just was so surreal because I never imagined that part. Like I imagined as a kid, that was my dream. Like one day I'm going to be in there. One day I'm going to do this. Like that was part of the dream, but never in my wildest dreams was it with a PBGB. I mean, it's true because you show so many other popular breeds like Labradors and Golden Retrievers and Cavaliers, right? Yep. A little bit of everything. But this is a breed that really has clenched your heart, correct? 
Absolutely. I've been involved with them for almost 20 years now, and I just absolutely adore them. And it's where my passion is. So to be able to win with one of them was just amazing. So you know what I find so funny? People were like, what is a PBGV? What does that stand for? And it's it's not the everyday kind of common dog breed. So tell us a little bit about first the initials and then uh, and about the breed. We're just kind of curious. I mean, I know it's a hound and it's a French hound, right? Correct. And that's the cool thing is like now people won't look at you like you're so crazy when they ask you what the name of your breed is and you come out with PBGV. People look at you like you're crazy. So it's Petite Basset Griffon Vendion. So it's a French hunting hound. They're bred to hunt rabbits. So they're very higher energy, stubborn little hounds, but we adore them for it. Their goal in life is to make you laugh every day. If you want a golden retriever that's going to mind you and love you and do all the things, this breed is not for you. Um, they are very independent. And we, those of us who love them, adore them because of it. So and they also travel in packs, right? I mean, they're like a pack, a pack yeah. hound. Yeah. Okay. They're not great. One, If you just have one, you're going to be their sole entertainment. But they definitely need a buddy. They definitely need to be able to just go play and do their own thing. And then when it's time to go to bed, they'll take up your whole bed. But they really do need need a buddy. I, yeah. How many buddies does um, Buddy Holly have? He's got his girlfriends at home that he just absolutely adores. And when we got home, he was so excited to see them because it'd been a week that we were gone. And he was just like, I had my Cavalier with me, but there's something about other PBs. He just... He loves them. So he, he's got his two little regulars that he plays with and they had a good old time. So it was pretty cute. Well, if you've just joined us, we're talking to professional handler, Janice Hayes, about her best in show win at the 147th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show presented by Perina Pro Plan. She is the co-owner and handler of Buddy Holly, the winning dog. So Buddy Holly is, he's really an attractive dog. He's a handsome dog. How old is he? And talk to his about his personality. Well, he's six years old. So his, the breed is really wild between like one and three. They're really naughty. And I mean, if you leave socks around, they're running off with them. They're going to look at you while they're playing with them and just be like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Uh, but Buddy's now six. So he's a little more mature. He's a very stoic dog. So he thinks very highly of himself. Um, he loves the doggy treadmill. He absolutely have a jog a dog that he absolutely loves. Like today, I just let him in from outside. It's a little warm outside. So obviously I'm in Palm Springs, so it gets warm. So we can't condition them outside. So he has a treadmill. He loves it. Well, you know, so. it's funny because I didn't realize he was six years old. So he's kind of like midlife. Um, he looks so young and playful. But yeah. you know, one of the things that I, I took away from your win is not only the whole, I've said this to you before, this whole fairy dust, you're surrounded by magic, the glow in your face, your eyes are all lit up. But I have this one picture and uh, I'll definitely send it to you tonight. Actually, I went home um, earlier today and I looked at that picture to prepare for this interview. And that was what I took away. You got me there, mom. Yeah. Um, it's funny because when he first came, you could feel he kept a little distance, but he's a little more stoic because of his age. So I felt like it took a little while to really get in behind on his personality. 
And honestly, in the last two months of showing, I mean, he's, he won, you know, four best in shows and some reserves and stuff, but it's like, it clicked. Like he just really connected and I could like trust him a little more to do what we've been working on. And the sweet side came out. Janice, we need to take a hard commercial break. Uh, I know you can stick around with us and answer a few more questions, and I so much appreciate that. So uh, we're going to be back uh, with Janice and Buddy um, talking about their win at the 147th Westminster Kennel Club uh, dog show. Best in show all the way, presented by Perina Pro Plan. So stay tuned. I'll be back in a buzzworthy minute. But wait, I forgot. Later in the show, learn about the hidden dog found in a very well-known Picasso painting. And of course, our feel-good feature, Tell Me Something Good. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud sponsor of the Pet Buzz. I'm petrondologist Charlotte Reed. And I'm veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck here at the Pet Buzz. We are urban, suburban, and, and country. Well, we're back with the winner of the 147th Annual Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show presented by Perina Pro Plan. Janice and Buddy Holly are with us, giving us some of the inside scoop, what was going on at the, in the show ring. So I guess this is the big question. Does Buddy Holly eat Perina Pro Plant, the sponsor of the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show? He sure does. He has been fed Purina Pro Plant sensitive skin and stomach uh, since he has arrived. Um, I have fed it for almost 15 years now, and I love it. Uh, PVGVs tend to get a little red in their feet, and it's usually because the dog food is too high in protein. Mm. I think it's one of those foods that is just the right balance for them because we really like them white. It's not as easy as it looks to make sure they stay white, but as long as the protein isn't too high, they do really good on, on that food. I'm a big fan. You know, I think you just gave everybody who's listening to the show, like a hint, know your dog food and know what it does and doesn't do. Yes. And yeah. dog food, you know, every people right now, you know, dog food has gone up between seven and nine percent in the last year and a half. And, you know, people really are reluctant, even if they may, you know, be worried about their finances, they still feed the food that they do because they associate their food with good health. But you also have to make sure that your food is producing those good results. What's next? What's next for you? And what's next for Buddy Holly? Well, Buddy will be making some appearances around the country and doing some of those fun little peekaboo ads kind of thing, just so he's definitely going to be out and about. Um, we'll go to some shows. I'm definitely, I mean, it's my job, so I show dogs for a living, so I will be out and about. Um, and he'll go with me just so judges can still put their hands on him and and actually get a feel and do some photo ops because I know a lot of people um, really like to take a picture with him in that big ribbon. So I, I don't want to hold that back from anybody. So honestly, it's just back to normal, just going to shows. I get to do more local shows and not travel quite so much for the rest of the year, which is kind of nice for me. Um, but yeah, we're just, we're got, we go right back to where we were. <laughs> 
you kind of alluded to the hard work it is showing dogs and it is hard work. I mean, every weekend there's a dog show, there's crates to schlep dogs, make sure you got your food, your clothes, right? It's a lot of work. Yes. It's a, it's a lot of work. It's a full-time job, past full-time job. Um, the amount of driving we do alone is a lot. Um, and dogs never take a day off. So they never learn to let themselves out. They never learn to do that. So the animal care part is, is the part you have to be passionate about it because it is definitely one of those jobs that you just, there is no days off. It's just what it is. So for me, it's a passion and it just, it's just what we do every day. So it's not a big deal, but to other people, they, they really see it's a lot more than just Westminster where we just get those like few minutes of glamour, but the every day is, is a lot more work than that for sure. I want you to wrap this up by telling us what happened what, when you were nine Yeah, and then and how you got to this level. But then I would like if you could give me some encouraging words for young people who might be interested in the sport or, or junior handlers. Perfect. Yeah, I watched it by um, watching Westminster is how I found out about dog shows. And then um, my parents did not show. So my dad did more field events with we had short hairs and vishlas. So when we were time to get a puppy, we found out it had to be shown. So my dad was like, well, can my kids do it? And so that I was hooked. The second I walked in the ring, I was hooked. But having parents that don't do it, you have to do the research. Uh, we didn't have the internet back then. <laughs> so I did a lot of magazines and stuff like that. So you just had to do the research. But I worked for several people um, as a junior, as a older junior. I, I kind of started really apprenticing under people. And then when I turned 18 and graduated high school, I was on the road right away and working for another handler. And then I, I switched. So I worked for people for over 12 years and truly to hone the skills and really find out what breeds I wanted to work with, which breeds I didn't want to work with. And I encourage everyone that's starting, find the breed that speaks to you. Everyone has a different opinion. Just like people, we mesh well. TBGBs sucked me in from day one. I was fascinated by them. I loved their temperaments and their personalities. And I'm telling you, it was I had no interest in breeding dogs until I met them. And so you just need to just know that you're going to have to go through all the hard work to really get to where you're happy with how you want to run a business. But honestly, you, it's, it's a passion. And if you're not passionate about it, then you won't stick around. But if you find something you're passionate about, just follow through with it. Cause you, I mean, I could have never imagined this truly never imagined this. Well, Janice, thank you so much for joining us and really inspiring us to work hard at the things that we do, our beloved professions. Um, we're so happy to learn about you and Buddy Holly and his win and actually your unique perspective on showing dogs at the top level. It's, it's, it's fascinating. It really is. So, um, I know there's no professional handler website for you, but you're on social media, correct? Correct. It's just my name, Janice Hayes and Janice Hayes VIP on Instagram. And 
I just, we have our own shampoo companies. So we've got the Barker pet going on and I sling some fingernail polish on the side just because I don't want to get bored. So I've got all those things on there. Well, you know what? Um, it's been a pleasure. Just to remind you, that was Janice Hayes, the winner with her dog, Buddy Holly of the 147th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show presented by Perina. She's just pure magic. Learn about which famous artist has hidden a dog in a painting. The discovery has made international art news. And now, Pet Buzz news from around the globe. Well, researchers have discovered a small dog hidden under a thin layer of paint in an early painting by Pablo Picasso. The painting entitled The Moulin de la Galette was a working windmill, but by the time Picasso first visited it, however, the Moulin de la Galette had long ceased to function as a working windmill, having been transformed into a tavern and dance hall that has become a center of Parisian life. Well, according to Julie Barten, senior painting conservator at the Guggenheim Museum, experts know that in many instances, Picasso painted aspects of a composition and then subsequently obliterated them and transformed them into other compositional elements. This was really part of his practice, she says. She further said that if you look closely, you can see that there's this lingering ghost of a dog in there. There's a red paint showing through in certain areas. You can actually, if you look really closely, in other words, that means look really hard, you can see the eyes and the ears in the bottom or the foreground of the painting. When they found out there was a dog underneath that brown form from his earlier composition that Picasso had rendered, researchers believed it would have completely changed how one would encounter this picture. The viewer would have seen this really adorable dog with a red bow in the foreground looking almost directly at the visitor. Picasso painted this picture in 1900 when he was 19 years old. Check out the picture on our social media feeds. Let me know if you can see the dog in the foreground. Time to wrap with a feel-good slice of pet life. And like News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something Well, as the small Texas town Laguna Heights was picking up the pieces Sunday from the devastation caused by a tornado that touched down this past Saturday, killing one person and injuring multiple others, an ABC News crew sprang into action and rescued a dog trapped underneath a damaged home. When an ABC News crew was setting up equipment around dawn Sunday amidst a heavily damaged neighborhood in the Rio Grande Valley, two members of its security detail heard the cries of an animal coming from under a home. The crew called animal control, but instead of waiting for officers to respond, ABC News sound technician Jim Gower found a shovel nearby and started digging. Within minutes, Gower had dug a hole large enough for the scared dog to stick his head out from under the home's foundation, but hesitated to come out all the way. As Gower attempted to calm the dog by petting it around the chin and ears someone handed him a slim jim meat stick asking do you think this is going to work well after gower fed the dog the tasty treat the canine was coaxed from under the house and out of harm's way so what did we learn from this story that some news teams are not only reporting the news but making news to save pet lives now that's something good 
Well, it's a rapola, Dr. Fleck. Can you believe it? Again? It's a wrap. I can't believe the time has come. We hear the bells. Well, before we go, we want to give you a preview of next week's show. So next week, we're talking about Lyme disease and pet cancer, specifically early detection. So how best to get screened for pet cancer. I think that's very important. Dr. Fleck, will you thank our guests? Yeah, special thanks to our guests, Steve Haskins and Janice Hayes. And we, of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. If you have a question, write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. We will cover it on next week's show. And if you've missed any portion of the show, visit our social media channels as well as your favorite streaming channel and listen to the link podcast on Monday morning. And most importantly, remember, we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pet Buzz. The Pet Buzz is hosted by the dynamic pet duo, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. www.thepetbuzz.com Learn more about us, the show, and our guests.